1: Why the Reds New Year's resolutions for 2023 should involve Ellie De La Cruz, the outfield plan, you know, there isn't, doesn't seem to be one right now, but yes, the outfield plan and contract extensions, maybe one, maybe two, will be our focus on today's Locked On Reds.
0: You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: You are locked. On Reds, happy new year and welcome into 2023. Thanks for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network and we are free and available on all podcasting platforms. I'm your host, Stephen Offenbaker, alongside Jeff Carr. And even here in 2023, with these Reds, we have a passion for baseball and we have a passion for these Cincinnati Reds, and we have taken that passion and turned it into information for you. On today's podcast, because it is the new year, we are going to be talking resolutions, and not mine and Jeff's. We all know that Jeff's is to not fall off the rowing machine. We all know that mine is to make the Mike Moustakis jersey fit just a little bit better, but we're talking about the resolutions for the Reds in 2023, and what we think those resolutions should be, and what the Reds should be doing to uh, have a successful 2023 and really prepare for what we think will be an incredible 2024. And these resolutions are going to just lend themselves to that. Jeff, I think a good place to start will be uh, with a a resolution that I came up with here, and that's going to be involving our man, Ellie De La Cruz. I think the Reds should make a resolution right now that they will ensure that L.A. De La Cruz plays at least 100 games at the big league level in 2023 to continue
1: his development. Absolutely. I, I would 100% agree with that, maybe even more than 100 games, because he is going to be one of, if not the most important players for this Reds team as they build a playoff contender, hopefully In the next couple of seasons but he is going to be the guy especially if he pans out that's going to lead that squad back to the postseason but let's 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 unpack this though why do we say he should start at least 100 games well this is not a this is not a number i came up with just throwing a
2: a dart at a dartboard uh here's why i think 100 games makes sense uh, if, if you wait till about 50 games into the season, uh, that puts us at May 25th, which, by the way, is a home game against the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, that allows you to call Ellie De La Cruz up to the big league level. You can still get him 100 games started while building in some off days and not mentally fatigue him, physically fatigue him. Uh, you can kind of do it normally, but still get him that magic number of 100, which, you know, basically between what he would have played in Louisville and, uh, what he would play at the big league level is a full big league season. The schedule is a little interesting this year, Jeff, in that, uh, the Louisville bats start their season the very next day after the reds opening day in Cincinnati, the, the bats are on the road in Nashville. So, uh, when the Reds start playing at the end of March, uh, so will the minor leaguers and so would Ellie de la Cruz. So he'll be getting his time in Uh, that would allow him to play approximately 50 games down in the minor leagues. And uh, last season we all thought he set the world on fire and we thought that uh, the time that he had in Chattanooga was a pretty decent sample size of his ability to destroy double A pitching. Uh, that was only 47 games, Jeff. Uh, it felt like he was there a lot longer and he was doing a lot of damage, but it was only 47 games. And in those 47 games, slash line of 305, 358, 553. I think that that was more than enough to show us that he was ready. And I suspect, uh, given 50 games in Louisville where the pitching, is actually not always better at the AAA level than it is at the AA level. Uh, I think given 50 games in Louisville, we'll all be clamoring to have him in Cincinnati already anyway. So it's for those reasons with scheduling and development, Jeff, that I pulled that 100-game number out of the air because I think that the stars just kind of very easily align in that time frame to still be cautious with L.A. De La Cruz, but not overly cautious, not too cautious uh, and still get him to Cincinnati in time to really bring him along.
1: I think that's important too, kind of like you mentioned development. The one thing that we always say is kind of the chink in L.A. De La Cruz's armor when it comes to him at the plate is the fact that he has a high strikeout rate. And whether or not that comes down, he has still become super productive even with that high strikeout rate. So you would kind of like to see that if he does start the year in AAA. Maybe that could be something that he works on there, but I don't necessarily think that the number of games he will get at AAA will convince us that he has completely gotten rid of every single problem that he may have. I think part of his career is going to become, you know, that rookie in the major leagues who has so much hype around him. And maybe there is a period of time where he struggles to live up to that hype. But I think for the most part, we are going to see that happen and happen very quickly for him at the major league level. I believe that he has the talent and he's shown the talent, the different plays that he has made for the Reds, for for Chattanooga, for Daytona, for Dayton, all the different stuff. If it's in the field, if it's on the base paths, if it's at the plate where he just hits monster home runs sometimes, he literally can do it all. So I, I would love to see that. And I think the important thing to note is there's an opportunity there. The Reds are not sold on Jose Barrero, at shortstop they're probably going to give him a look at the beginning of the season but i don't necessarily know what he could do during that look kind of like i said about ellie de la cruz and you know strikeout rates and stuff like that what can he prove in a short number of games of triple a that he's gotten rid of that what can jose barrero do to prove that he should hold on to shortstop over ellie de la cruz I, i think that the writing's kind of in pencil on the wall right now, but I think it's on the wall nonetheless. That well, you know, shortstop's about to be Ellie's. Is is your question? What can he do to hold on to
2: shortstop, or what can he do to remain uh, on the major league roster, starting for the Reds? Uh, if your question is holding sure. on to shortstop, I don't think that there's a whole lot that he can do. Uh, I mean, I, let's face it: if he goes out there and is you know really has fixed his swing and you know, we get to the end of may and he's got a, a one thirty OPS plus and playing a smooth shortstop. Maybe Ellie does come up uh, and play a different position. And I want to get into that uh, with you here in just a second right. uh, because I- I'm interested to see where you think uh, Ellie's coming up to play when he does come up, but before ab- about where he plays, when he'll play uh, is a big question on my mind because there's still people that are that out there believe Jeff, that the reds are going to play service time games that that that, that factors into See the that. decision and i think those days are over i don't yeah. i don't think that i don't think that nick crawl has a date circled on his calendar saying we can save a year of service time if we wait till here for ellie de la cruz i think it's really going to boil down to uh when he looks ready uh yeah I, it's kind of, thinking yeah, of the decision making be- process what, what's your thoughts
1: i, I think you know if there's a take to be had about what the Reds are going to do with l a de la cruz, there is no external forces that are going to stop him from coming to the major leagues and external forces meaning there's nobody on this roster that's blocking him there's nobody in the front office that's going to play service time manipulation they're not going to mess with you know well, we can get an extra year of contract status if we wait till then or or you know we might lose something if he does that like they're not worried about that they're just going to bring him up when he's ready and when they perceive him to be ready which there are a couple of people that believe it could be opening day i'm not one of those people but you know i think early may is when we could see him but it's going to be about him it's going to be about him it's not going to be about anything else to do with the roster or to do with contract stuff so kind of like you mentioned is it going to be shortstop is it going to be third base or elsewhere I, i i think that he is athletic enough and i think through the past we've also proven that there's not necessarily a finite amount of time you need to spend in the minor leagues at a position to to like be comfortable there in the major leagues so i don't necessarily know that we're going to see like if he goes to triple a to begin the year and they start him in center field or they start him in third base um that's going to be the reason that they sent him to triple a I, I i think that ultimately we're going to see him at shortstop this year though
2: and and there's a big difference if between them asking him to move to third base and asking him to play outfield and God help us. If they ask him to play outfield, you want to talk about just a crap storm of (laughs) uh, in in reds country. If they ask him to play outfield, I don't think that's going to happen, but if it were, if that were what they did, you know, that might take a little bit more of an adjustment than simply moving from shortstop to third base and all of the shifting and moving around. That's been going on the last few years. You know, those guys on that side of the infield have been playing all over the place anyway. So I right. don't think it's a big ask to tell him to scoot, o- scoot over a little bit and, and play third base if that's how it shakes out. For me, where he plays depends on when he plays. If yeah. he somehow finds his way onto the opening day roster, whether that's through just setting the world on fire in Goodyear or whether that's because there were some injuries in spring training. I mean, let's face it. That's happened in the past. Uh, sure to facilitate guys making the team. If either of those things happens, uh, it could be a more interesting question and third base could be more of a possibility depending on why Jose or why Ellie De La Cruz is on the roster. You know, if it's him and Jose Barrero are both still there and it's because they needed another infielder, you know, I could see Ellie playing a little bit of third base to start things off uh, while they still try and see what Jose Barrero has to offer. Uh, I could see it going that way. But if it's late May, if if Ellie De La Cruz has been playing shortstop in Louisville for 50 games and Jose Barrero has not cemented his place in in Reds history as the the shortstop of the now (laughs) and future, then when when Ellie comes up, he's playing shortstop. And everybody else can move and make room uh, for the king has arrived, so to speak. But, uh, you know, so there, there's a whole lot of depends. It, it depends. It depends on when. It depends on why. It depends on, you know, how it all comes to fruition. But I think it's a safer bet to say that when Ellie shows up,
1: it's as a shortstop. Kind of thought about moving people to the outfield i'm going to save that though for the next segment we're because we're going to talk about the outfield but it's clear ellie de la cruz must start at least 100 games and that is probably the biggest new year's resolution that the reds should have in 2023 you know steve we've praised nick crawl for building a plan and sticking to it where it comes to roster construction however there's an area of this team where there doesn't seem to be a plan coming up I'm going to tell you why it's so important that in 2023 the Reds know something about the outfield. Before we get into that, though, I want to tell you about today's sponsor. It's Bet Online. You know, I heard something the other day here, Steve. Um, Pete Rose placed the first legal bet in Ohio, and he <laughs> placed it on the Reds to win the World Series. Has he been listening to the Lockdown Reds podcast about our optimism? I think probably that's the case, uh,
2: Jeff. You, uh, you have you have convinced one of the great eight to drink your Kool Aid,
1: and uh, you guys are both going to be losing money at the end of the season. I would love to say that that's the case. I did see a quote from him that he didn't understand what the odds were whenever he placed that. Yeah, I don't know. That just gets, that gets even better. But you know what? If you want to understand what the odds are, you head on over to betonline.net because betonline.net is going to help you whether you're talking about major league baseball futures, like who's going to win the world series, or whether you're talking about NFL games as we go into the final week of the regular season, right before the playoffs begin, you've got NBA basketball, NHL hockey, is going on you've got ncaa basketball as well and of course you've got the uh football national championship game coming up next week uh neither ohio state nor michigan is in that game so Mm, oh how about that uh you can check it all out at betonline.net also betonline.net sketch you cover whether you're talking about golf or mma boxing all that stuff literally everything you can think of they've got live odds they've got prop bets they've got money lines they've got point spreads all of it can be found at betonline.net head on over there today on your desktop or your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because BetOnline is where the game starts and Sports betting is now legal in Ohio, as we mentioned at the top of this ad. And Locked On has the perfect show to help new and seasoned gamblers get the right tip. Download and subscribe to Locked On Bets for daily picks and analysis wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up tomorrow, Steve and I are going to give you our confidence levels on the arms and the bullpen. The bullpen's kind of been one of those topics where folks are saying how optimistic should we be about the Reds? We're going to look at the guys, and obviously, Elliot La LaCruz, we're probably going to be the most confident in him, but how do the rest of the arms in this bullpen stack up? Steve and I will get into that tomorrow, but we will continue our talk today about New Year's resolutions. And Steve, as we mentioned in the first segment, You know, uh, an important part is going to be Ellie De La Cruz. He's probably going to be the most important part this season. There's something else, though, and and it's a question mark that was last year and it's a question mark coming into this year. And that is, what is the plan in the outfield? The Reds need to get a plan in place to figure out the outfield. And that starts with finding the stud, finding the guy. It's like when you hang up something on the wall, you got to find a stud. Reds don't have a stud in the outfield right now. And I wonder, because we got to start with this, is that guy on the roster?
2: So that guy might be in the minor leagues. You know, it's I think it's fair to say when we let's frame this conversation up just a little bit, Jeff, in that we're talking about the 2023 Cincinnati Reds outfield. This is all bubblegum and band-aids, folks. This is every single player that's on the Reds roster right now that they've brought in to play outfield at the major league level in 2023 are placeholders. There's not one guy there that they're looking at uh, realistically and, you know, truthfully looking at as a long-term contributor starter in the outfield. Now, could they find lightning in a bottle? Sure. And, and that'd be great. And, you know, Jake Fraley is probably the the leader of that group as far as playing his way into being around for a little while, maybe as a fourth outfielder. Uh, but the outfield itself is really just a patchwork uh, of guys that are trying to get us from point A to point B when they think we might be good. I think the Reds' true intention in this outfield in 2024 is to have three different guys starting out there, none of them that are on the major league roster right now.
1: Yeah, because when you look at the guys that are on the major league roster, I mean, you can point to Jake Fraley. He's he's got question marks where his health is concerned. Uh, When you look at T.J. Friedel and Stuart Fairchild, they both have the same problem. That's just small sample size. We just don't know what we're going to get out of those guys because to say, I mean, if you look at Stuart Fairchild's numbers right now, they are very nice. He had a very solid debut for the Reds last year. The problem is that was not in the kind of sample size where you can say you know anything about him because I mean, we, we, we can look at different statistics. We can even look at the guy that they brought in from free agency. Will Myers, Will Myers best year, like rate statistics wise was in 2020. But to say that, you know, anything about a player based on the year in 2020 is to say that you can look at a third of a major league baseball season and say that, you know, something and that's just not the case. There needs to be a lot more at bats for TJ Friedel and Stuart Fairchild before we know anything about them. I mentioned Will Myers. He's a stopgap guy. He's not going to be here. I, I would venture to say he's not going to be here past this year. He does have an option for next year, but I don't think we're going to see him. Uh, Nick Solak. I don't know what I know about. And I don't know what I don't know about Nick Solak. So he's we're a real find guy. That that's the one thing. That's what he's we. Know, a he's a real guy. He's a real guy. He's a real guy that the Reds traded for. He's got some positional flexibility. We'll see how that all factors into 2023. And Steve Nixon's though is he going to be a stud outfielder for this team let's all both let's let's say this in unison no no, <laughs> no. i'm sorry like for for folks that want to say that nixon Zell could do it we've been down this road for multiple years now and the road hasn't gone anywhere like no and that's, maybe that's not going to stop me from wanting
2: to be wrong i mean wanna, not gonna, yeah, i want i want to be wrong but like, I, yeah. you know nick nick has moved well into the he's got to go out and just prove it uh there's no more there's no more let's talk about his upside there's no more let's talk about his potential there's no more you know if he's just healthy gosh darn it uh like no he needs to go play 150 games and put up all-star quality numbers and until he does that he's not the guy uh that's the point we're at in nick senzel's career
1: and that's what we're talking we're talking about you know being the stud of the outfielder he's he's not going to be that I just I think that the chances are stacked so far against him here at this point in his career. Like I hope he I hope he figures it out, but I don't know that we're gonna see it in 2023. And kind of like you said, I think probably Jake Fraley is the leader in the clubhouse right now. But by leader in the clubhouse, that just means that every other option just really isn't that inspiring. And I I think you're right. So okay, of the of the guys coming up and. I don't necessarily know that we have a bonafide outfielder that at least listed as an outfielder as a prospect right now. Is it more likely to be somebody who is currently listed as an infielder moving to the outfield that takes over that, you know, the King of the Reds outfield? I
2: think it's much more likely somebody that's listed as an infielder right now. In fact, I think maybe two somebodies uh, end up being outfielders by 2024 that currently are listed as infielders. One of them, uh, won a rookie of the year title along the way. And the other one uh, is named Matt McClain. So you can do all of the, (laughs) you you know, I I could totally see an outfield in 2024 where Jonathan India is in left and Matt McClain starts in center field. And then you either have gone out and signed a bopper of a right fielder or somebody in this system has, has come out of nowhere, uh, Ellie De La Cruz style and, and claimed a spot in the outfield. But uh, that's the way I see that shaken out.
1: No, I I would agree because, I mean, the, the different prospects that currently have like outfield listed next to them, I think you're probably talking about Jay Allen being the best of those. And I don't know that we'll see him in 2023. It might not even be till 2024 that he makes his debut. So for him to be a stud, he's going to have to really just blossom this year in the minor leagues and i think that there's been some question marks about his talent because he's gone from a top 10 rated guy in the red system to now he's in the teens and let's let's
2: unpack that for just a second uh he's a talented guy we're not saying he's 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 not talented he's just not really been able to adjust his hitting Uh, Profile as he's moved up It took him a long time to get out of Daytona Uh, I suspect he's gonna Have to spend some time in Dayton Before he really shows them enough Them being shows the Reds front office Enough to warrant a call up To Chattanooga Uh, I think for Jay Allen it's realistic to say we won't See him uh, until at the Earliest a call up in 2024. He's not going to be ready to start the season in the big leagues in 2024. So, so for me, he doesn't really factor into this equation right now. He could, he could play his way into that. Uh, but what he's shown us so far says he's going to be a slow, a slow bring along a slow and steady build while they try and get him to be able to hit, uh, competently enough to make it to the major leagues.
1: So we definitely think that it's more likely that somebody who gets called up in the next year or two becomes that stud guy. Let me ask you this, and I think I've got a, I think I've got a feeling on it, but I don't know that it's a strong feeling. What do you think is more likely to happen? a call-up becomes the red stud outfielder or a guy that Nick Crawl trades for? Because remember, about a month ago now, he talked about the fact that he wants to trade for an outfield prospect with similar upside to the guy that he trades for him. Do you think it's more likely Nick Crawl trades for that stud outfielder or that stud outfielder gets called up?
2: I think it's probably more likely that we find an outfielder uh, within the organization already. Uh, it would have, I think it would take a special set of circumstances for the reds to find a trading partner uh, that has surplus outfielders that will take one of our surplus shortstops, And it will be a deal that's truly uh, everybody wins. Uh, that's going to be, a, that's a, that's a big ask. It's a big ask to, right. to, to find where a completely balanced trade, Uh, outfield with shortstop and have everybody feel like they didn't give up too much. And I I think Nick's done a great job with the trades that he's done. And I think that uh, there there's, they have an infielder that has outfield experience. I have not, I've not one time called for them to take one of the shortstops and teach them to be an outfielder. One of the guys they drafted played outfield in college. He's an outfielder that happens to also play the infield. It's it's an easy move. It's not hard. Matt McClain should be the center fielder for the Cincinnati Reds.
1: Come out to the coast. We'll have a few laughs. McLean. I, I gotta. We're gonna find a lot of different uh, things to insert yippee there. McClain, but, uh, yippee kaiyay! But yippee Uh We won't say the rest of that. Uh, uh, but yeah, no, I I think I agree with you, and especially. Uh, like thinking about the trades and different guys that we talked about, one of the big ones is off the board. I don't think the Diamondbacks are making another move. They have already traded Dalton Varsho to the Blue Jays in a deal that a lot of folks don't necessarily think the Diamondbacks did a good job on. So I don't think Alec Thomas, the guy that we talked about a little bit, I don't think he's in play anymore. So I don't know who the Reds go for in the scenario that Nick crawl talked about, it's definitely kind of like we say all the time, it's going to be a surprise because it's not going to be something that gets leaked beforehand, but I don't necessarily know if the guy that he even acquires becomes the king of the reds outfield, which all just goes to show the reds need to get a plan in place to figure out this outfield. And that starts with finding that stud and whether or not that's going to happen this year, kind of up in the air. Uh, I completely agree. I
2: completely agree. But listen, Jeff, we aren't done talking about resolutions yet. Coming up, we are going to tell you why the Reds should give out at least one long-term big money contract extension this season. And we'll tell you who it should be coming up right after this. You can follow the podcast on all platforms, including YouTube. It's your, it's your first time here. Thanks for being here. Thanks for watching. Click subscribe. Click the bell. You'll never miss a notification from when we uh, post something and when we go live. Don't forget about our live shows every Friday, 1.30 p.m. Eastern time for live Aloha Fridays. That's right. Right here on youtube you can also follow us between shows you can follow me on twitter at s often with two f's you can follow jeff at jeff Carr. that's jeff with three f's spelling's always been hard for him folks and you can follow the show at locked on reds uh, all right jeff we've talked about resolutions and things we think that should absolutely happen in 2023 uh some of them are to make 2023 better some of them are a building process for 2024 And I think that this next one is part of that building process, but it makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, I think the Reds must sign one of these young guys that are in the major leagues right now to a long-term contract extension in 2023. Get it done. Get them locked up. Have a foundation to build on moving forward.
1: Totally agree, Steven. And, and we're talking about really four guys, and you could probably argue that Graham Ashcraft should be included in this, but I don't necessarily know that he should be one of the first ones. One of these four guys should be the first guys, and that's Green, Lodolo, India, or Stevenson. And it's not necessarily something that has to happen before the season starts, just as long as at some point this season. And, and the reason I'm thinking about this is, it's got to be, and the reasoning is twofold. Uh, you push off, and this is the obvious one. You push off free agency for one of those guys. Like you're talking about, uh, you know, two stud pitchers. You're the the guys who lead your rotation, both coming up in the same year, so they're both going to enter free agency at the same time if you don't make this move. And you're talking about Indy and Stevenson, who both came up at the same time as well, who will then enter free agency at the same time period. So looking at that you push off free agency for those guys the other part of this and i think that it's something that we we understand but we don't necessarily talk about a whole lot is that it shows confidence in your roster which has a morale effect on the players proving to them that that nick crawl that the front office believes in what's going on here and i think that leads into why it should be tyler stevenson gets that contract extension
2: Okay. That wouldn't hurt my feelings. Any, um, I, I'll put it like this. I, I think you've got the four names, right? You know, it's, it's a two horse race on the pitching side between green and Lodolo. And it's a two horse race on the position player side between India and Stevenson. Uh, I think that right now, uh, you know, if, if the season were over today, uh, Lodolo and Stevenson are the guys that make the cut and advance to the playoffs. You know, if we're, if we're doing that, uh, I think they're in the lead right now. Lodolo had, I think, a better first year than Hunter Green. Uh, Stevenson, I think, has shown more <sighs> upside, more value being that he's a catcher and being that he's a bopper than India has. So I think coming into this season, especially on the position player side, with both of them coming off injuries, uh, you wait a little bit. You don't do it in spring training. But by the all-star break, you know, if Stevenson is healthy through the all-star break and plays like, we're pretty sure he's going to play, lock him up, announce that deal during the all-star break. Uh, Right. I I would hope that we're talking about one contract here, but I would hope that in the reds mind that they're going to do 2 They're going to lock up a position player and they're going to lock up a pitcher. And I, I agree that they've got, so there's three starting pitchers that are all going to be running out of team control at the exact same time. You need to find a way to break that up just a little bit. Uh, a contract extension for one of these guys does that. It puts some stability in the ACE position of your uh, rotation. And I think that guy's Nicodolo. So for me, I'm giving, if I've got to give a contract out before opening day, I'm giving it to Nicodolo. If I've got until the all-star break to do it, it's a competition between Lodolo and Stevenson. And I would hope at the end of the day, Crawl could convince uh, the SOB that's son of Bob Phil Castellini to sign two contracts, right, two checks, and lock up both of those guys
1: i i definitely would agree with that and i like the idea of the um the trade deadline signing because the reds are not going last year obviously was about trading away Malle and, and and castillo and and who else whoever else they could to bolster the farm system we're not going to see that kind of action this trade deadline so the best thing they could do would be to make an, an announcement of an extension or something like that the reason that i think and, and I, I kind of flip flop on this as to who I think they should sign. I think the reds have tipped their hand and they, and they've told us, and they're working on a deal with Tyler Stevenson because of the way that they have approached the catcher position in the off season. The fact that they went and they got out two guys, they, they, bolstered the depth with mouth Ma- with Maley with um Casali and still <laughs> you bringing it back wrong. <laughs> I, I almost yeah I almost said Mally I didn't even say it the way you say it um Miley yeah <laughs> uh, yeah um Maley yeah uh mailey Casale, and they still brought back Romine and Robinson as your like emergency fourth and fifth guys so I think what they have done they show that they know the value of Tyler Stevenson to this team and they're going to basically complete that circle by signing him to a long-term extension i think this year so i think he's going to be the first one that gets it. now i'm with you you sign him and you sign lodolo or you sign green or whatever you do you're really making a huge statement there and you don't want to wait because waiting only increases the cost of these long-term deals we saw that with Luis Castillo. We said for years that the Reds should approach signing Luis Castillo to a long-term contract because by the time his rookie deal is up, he's going to be far too expensive for the Reds. What happened? Exactly what we said. That's going to happen with these guys too. These guys are so talented that by the time they're done, they're going to be out of the Reds price range. So I want to see that long-term deal happen this season. At least one, two would be ideal. And, and and just a quick thought to piggyback onto that: signing
2: two guys to long-term deals doesn't move them away from the new philosophy. Uh, right. Neither one of these contracts are going to include no-trade clauses, folks. Uh, it's just going to help push out the team control a little bit farther. Uh, we're probably talking two seasons by signing an extension. They probably gained two years of team control, which still allows the player to hit free agency and get a big, big money deal. Uh, but just not all at the same time. All that being said, uh, if the right deal presents itself, it's going to be a team friendly contract that the Reds are going to be able to move. If the need arises, uh, which still sticks with the philosophy of churning the roster, bringing in prospects, next man up, be good, do it like Tampa's kind of done it, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This all still fits. This is not an outlier to the philosophy. I think this is a good supplemental process just in good roster management.
1: And as far as the Reds go, I mean, obviously there's more than just three resolutions, but these should be the top three. Ellie De La Cruz should get 100 games started at least this season. You should see a a plan in place in the outfield for who's going to be that main guy, who's going to be the king, and how is the outfield going to shake out for the future. And we should see an extension, at least one, if not two, here. In 2023. But that's where we will wrap up this edition of the Lockdown Reds podcast. Coming up tomorrow, we'll give you our confidence level in each bullpen arm, looking at the guys who will relieve the starters in 2023. Thanks for making Lockdown Reds your first listen. Now make your second listen, Lockdown MLB Prospects. Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia and he goes deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts, just like Lockdown Reds. Steve, we've kind of hit the point in the offseason where if we're looking for news, we're looking for like minor league signings and stuff like that. And we're beginning to count down to pitchers and catchers reporting. So what's that mean for you and me? Well, that means you and I are going to continue to be uh, locked on the
2: waiver wire. We're going to be locked on the transaction news. We're going to be locked on what the front office doing so that we can keep everybody locked on Reds every single day.